Welcome inside the Hill City Highlights podcast, a podcast about the people of Lynchburg for the people of Lynchburg. Now, here's your host, Alan York. Welcome back inside the Hill City Highlights podcast. I'm Alan York, and today we're going to sit down and chat with uh, Josh Hall, who is a Lynchburg native, went to EC Glass High School, and played Major League Baseball with the Cincinnati Reds. And Josh, not only uh, a good friend of me and my wife and our family, but uh, just an overall good dude. So thanks for coming on the podcast with us here today. We could talk baseball. As a matter of fact, we have had conversations. Uh, we could talk all year long about a great sport that you and I both love. But did want to sit down and talk to you today about kind of your uh, your history around Lynchburg and uh, growing up here, and then we'll get to some fun stuff about playing for the Cincinnati Reds. But uh, first and foremost, uh, what was your childhood like, and when did you develop a love for baseball? Hey, first of all, thanks for having me. <laughs> good, to, good to have you on here. Good to see you yeah. again. Um, huh, so, so I did grow up here in Lynchburg, which was a great place to grow up. Um, you know, as far as baseball, I played other sports, but baseball was always my main, my main sport. And for whatever reason, I, yeah, I worked at it. I did, mm-hmm. My dad did a lot of work with me, but I was pretty talented with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and people always ask me, you know, today, like, well, how did you end up throwing so hard? I mean, I really don't know. You know, it was just I always had a good arm. I could always throw the ball well. I did work towards throwing hard, you know, later on um, as far as whether it's mechanics and, and leg strength and working out, things like that. But um, I just always had a good arm. So to say that baseball kind of always came pretty naturally to me. And playing here in Lynchburg was great, man. We had uh, we had a really good, you know, playing Lynchburg Little League and then – after 11 and 12 year old, you you move on to senior league, which they don't even really have now anymore, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but it was great, man. There's a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of really good talent, and and I've always kind of said, you know, back in the early to mid 90s, throughout the 90s, really, I had good coaches. There was a lot of good coaches around here, and um, you know, we were really blessed to have to have who we had, and yeah. and uh, I don't know. My dad did as much as he could for me. But really, you know, with his limited, with his limited uh, experience and then resources, man, put me in a, a lot of good positions to learn from other people. So I was blessed. Who, Josh, were your baseball idols growing up? And we all had those in the backyard. Mine was Dale Murphy and Don Mattingly. I mean, I tried to mimic their swings, looking in the mirror and different things like that. Who was that for you? And uh, just share some of those uh, baseball idols that you looked up to. I think it's pretty hard growing up when we did you're a little bit older than me but a little bit tad bit (laughs) a little bit um you know nolan ryan was was the guy obviously my my dad loved him so anytime you know we're growing up watching basic cable or you know cable so um anytime that he was pitching on tv we tried to watch Mm -hmm. um so i'd say first and foremost that was the guy right I had a, I had a high leg kick in, in my delivery, yeah. and I think it was it was kind of based after <laughs> after Nolan Ryan. I also like Doc Gooden. Man, Dwight Gooden was coming up coming up with the Mets there in the late '80s. Him and and Strawberry and yeah. Dykstra and that that whole crew. Um, man, they were really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, pitching wise, and he had a really good breaking ball. Mm-hmm. I had a good curveball, and so that was those are two guys from the pitching side that I watched. Position players, it could really kind of go either way. 
watching the Braves grow up, you know, they were on TBS every night and, yeah. and, and the Cubs WGN. Mm-hmm. So the Ryan Sandbergs, the Andre Dawson's, yeah. you know, um, any of those guys, man, I, <laughs> they're, they're all fun to watch. Chipper, even watching Chipper Jones, man. Right. I mean, those, those guys, they had some great teams. So I think we were really fortunate to be able to see those teams on a daily basis where today, man, if you don't have the MLB package or the MLB network, you might not catch a baseball game all week. You know, it might just just might not see one on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my kids don't get to watch as much as we got to watch. Mm-hmm. But, man, that was a great time to be alive. Me and my buddies will go back, you know, we're watching on Instagram or Facebook, you know, all these clips from the late 80s and the 90s. Absolutely. Man, all these great baseball yeah. teams and games and uh, clips, man, it was the highlights, Sports Center. Man, it was a great time to be alive back then. <laughs> uh, joined by Josh Hall, Lynchburg native, and uh, pitched with the Cincinnati Reds and EC Glass High School. My first big league game was in, I was eight years old, Montreal at Atlanta. Pete Rose was playing for the Expos. Uh, I was eight years old. How about the first big league game you went to? When was that? I think I was 19. Okay. I was, I was a professional. Wow. Yeah. At the time. Okay. Um, it was, uh, it was the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Wow. I just happened. Somebody had tickets. Yep. And it, long story short of it, I was in Sarasota, Florida with the Reds. Yeah. You know, rehabbing or playing down in the Gulf Coast League at the time. And um, and my parents, my family just happened to come down there. Mm-hmm. And we have a barber friend that we met down there, and he gave us the tickets. <laughs> well, coincidentally, Wade Boggs was chasing 3,000. Playing for the Devil Rays, yep. he was four hits away. Okay. okay, so we go to the game that night, and he gets four hits yeah. and hits and hits a home run right. for his three thousandth hit. Wow, man, pretty awesome Dude. to go to your first big league game and have that happen. How about that? Yeah, it was pretty special. Okay, well, let's go back a little bit in time here. At what point, Josh, uh, growing up, and we'll focus on your pitching career, uh, did things? start to click is like okay this is i'm better than some of the kids most of the kids i'm playing against and i might have a future in this did did that when did that really happen for you i mean my dream was to play baseball Mm -hmm. right and at a young age from 9 10 11 years old i'd say by the you know when you get on the big field and at 13 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say thirteen years old. You're 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 on the big field, sixty feet six inches, ninety foot bases. By the time I was thirteen, fourteen years old, I was starting to kind of, I think I hit eighty miles an hour at fourteen. Um, you know, things start to kind of you start forward thinking. Okay, what are my possibilities here? What do I want to do with this? So I'd say somewhere in that time time frame, as far as really kind of. Um, formulating a plan right okay i i do i want to play varsity baseball i want to pl- i want to play college baseball but furthermore man i want to play professional baseball yeah. and if if my arm holds up <laughs> um you know like i said i could i could always throw the ball so i threw pretty hard i threw pretty well i pitched well if my arm holds up then yeah i want to i want to play pro ball and make it to the big leagues i remember at 15 years old uh, there was a guy down in, in, in Danville, Virginia. His name was Bubba Scarce. Yeah. He was the, really at that time, 
kind of the 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 local guy that <laughs> threw really hard. Yeah. Like he was ninety to ninety two, and I remember thinking to myself, you know what? And he was a senior. Mm-hmm. I think I was only a sophomore at fifteen, because um, I was I was young for my class. I remember being thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to throw a ninety by the time I'm a senior. Like I kind of set that goal right then and there. Like that's gonna because that's what it, at that at that time, man. That's what it takes. Now you can throw a ninety and you might not even go to a D one school, yeah. you know, yeah. um, for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, fifteen. I think that's when things really kind of like became real, right? Like if I can hit ninety miles an hour, I think I do have a chance to really progress in my baseball career. So, mm-hmm. sure enough. And back then, you were drafted in in ninety eight. You were looking at you know, 95, 96, when it comes to the, the decade of the 90s, what was uh, pitching like and training as a pitcher as a young high school student? Because it's obviously different today with travel ball and things like that. How did you develop and what do you recall about mentors of yours helping you uh, get stronger and, and throw harder? Like I said, my my dad did the best he could mm-hmm. with his with his experience, limited or not, um, and his knowledge. Watching the Braves pitch every night, yeah. right? Like yeah. getting to see uh, Maddox and Glavin and those guys and and Smoltz <laughs> and just watching them work. And so it was always kind of on in front of us, right. you know. And so my dad was always working with me and talking to me. But like I said, being able to put me in positions. Of, of working even with my, my high school coach at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Tim Christie. Yep. Uh, I went to every – I went to just about every Liberty baseball camp wow. that, that they could afford, yeah. right, to yeah. get us in, whether it was a weekend camp or a couple days, you know, if it was a week. Um, so I spent a lot of time with Dave Pastors, mm-hmm. um, and he was great, man. And he taught me things at 13, 14, 15 years old that I still use today working with kids. You know, I mean, just fundamental – pitching mechanics and, and, you know, things that you try to accomplish in your delivery. So, um, you know, like I said, given what our situation was, what, whether from a financial standpoint or just experience, you know, I happened to have some pretty good coaches back then. And, and man, the Lord really put us in, in good touch with people that could help, that could help me, okay. you know, and I'm not saying it didn't take much, but you know, sometimes it doesn't take much. The right person can say the right thing at the right time. And man, that really like opens the door for you and you're on your way. So, um, I always, I always, uh, I ran a lot as a kid. So my legs were pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I could fix my direction in my, in my delivery, Mm -hmm. my legs were going to get there. Right. I was going to, I was going to go and I'll, so that, that carried my arm, if you will, um, but just straightening, straightening me up in my delivery was a big key. And so I worked on that and, wow. and it helped. I mean, so long toss, you know, and back then we started working out a little bit. It wasn't as, um, it wasn't as organized and as formatted as it is today. Right. Uh, as far as like laid out programs right. for you to do, it's just more like, Hey, you need to get stronger kid. Right. Like in the competition level today is way, way over what it was back then. Like you would go to Liberty or, you know, you'd go to college to start working out, yep. you know what I mean? Like to kind of, hopefully this guy's going to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not getting stronger now at 14, 15, 16 years old, you're not going to go to, you're not going to yeah. play a college, you yeah. know? So, um, 
little things like that. And like yeah. I said, I, I ran a lot, so my legs were always strong. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those, it just kind of, it all worked together. Got it. Okay. Joined by Josh Hall on our Hill City Highlights podcast. Josh, a Lynchburg native, played in the big leagues with Cincinnati. And EC Glass High School, want to talk about um, your time there. And at what point did you start noticing scouts come to your games and uh were you tunnel vision did you notice them or did they even come out to games at ec glass or wherever you were pitching my senior year they did for sure yeah you know there might have been a few in my junior year but um the summer of my junior year between my junior year and senior year is really when it kind of put me on the on the map if you will i think i was throwing let's just say i was throwing mid 80s throughout my junior year well the day after my junior year ended i went to my first like pro workout right um it was with cincinnati actually it was in covington with the scout who would eventually sign me and so they get you on the radar gun you know you, you and it was a smaller camp if you will or or workout so i did some infield stuff i hit that day but you know I was there to pitch, mm-hmm. and I think I topped out at 88. Mm-hmm. A week later, a week and a half, yeah, or so <laughs> later, I went to a Devil Rays. It's not the Devil Rays anymore. I'm right. old school. So okay. um, Devil Rays workout at Rustburg High School, yeah. and I hit 90 and 91 for the first time in my life. Wow. Okay, So this is right after my junior year. So wow. that summer, I went to a couple more like workouts and, and – uh, camps maybe and i was nine you know hitting 90 91 92 ended up going to the commonwealth games which was a big deal back then i'm not saying it's not a big deal now but you had to be chosen to play for the com you know play on the commonwealth games Mm -hmm. and uh and i was chosen kind of in the back door if you will kind of came in the back door of that of that and uh and went and pitched there and that there you know you got you got college coaches college or uh scouts um, you know, professional scouts, everybody's at that game. It's like the biggest game in the state. And and I pitched the second game that of that series. I think it's four games, you know, and um, and pitched really well. Yeah. And and before the game was over, a guy by the name of Roger Roger Jones. No, I'm sorry, Robert Jones yeah. um, was a was a scout with the Mets, and he ran a team, a scout team, out of tidewater area called the tidewater mets Mm -hmm. and went asked my dad said hey are you josh hall's father yes sir well we'd like for him to play for us and so that was a team that uh two guys had gotten drafted from that year uh out of great bridge high school john curtis and michael kadire michael kadire ended up having a a great you know big league career um uh who were the 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 twins the infielder, outfielder, man, I can't remember their names. David Wright ended up, I think, eventually playing for this team like two years later as well. Anyways, yeah. it was Upton. A, yeah, the Upton, yeah. the Upton brothers. Yeah. Okay, um, I think they they played for this team, so it was okay. it was pretty legit, right? right? Yeah, and uh, and so I played for them that fall, the fall of my senior year, hmm. and man, every every game, there's pro scouts at every game, and I mean, okay. you see you know, guns. Guns flipping up every pitch, or especially right. early. Um, so it became a way of life. And so the, by the time I got to my senior year, spring baseball, man, there was nothing to have 20 scouts or more yeah. 
there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it was, so it was cool. It was fun. Right. But on the flip side, there was a little bit of pressure there. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it, it kind of became the way it was. How about um, deciding to either to sign or go to school? I mean, seventh round. Today, you know, at least in my experience with, with pro baseball, there's that window of rounds of, okay, money is going to be not generational with a signing bonus, but, you know, 10 rounds or lower, you pretty much are going to sign and go. What schools did you have offering you, and was it a hard decision to sign in the being drafted in the seventh round in, in 1998? It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a hard decision, Got right? Um, it's all about leverage. Yeah. So I wasn't a great student, and I had to bust my tail gotcha. to really uh, to really put myself in a good position there my senior year. Mm-hmm. I mean, even down to like my last exams um but i did i did it and um and was eligible and and d1 eligible okay and i had verbally committed to go to vcu virginia commonwealth university liberty had also offered me a full ride so vcu offered me a full ride to be a two-way guy yeah i couldn't i couldn't pass that up and and back then and they still have a pretty good program back then they had a really good program Mm -hmm. um you know, Brandon Inge was there. And right. so I, I hung out with him on my on my visit <laughs> over there, you know. And so um, they, they knew the situation. And it's kind of like you said, if you go, if you're 10 rounds or less, it's going to put you in a pretty good spot, yeah. right? And I wasn't a first rounder. And so I was going to get some money there in that, you get some money back then in, in that 10, first 10 rounds. And so it was pretty interesting draft day, right? I want to play baseball. I'm not a school guy. I'm not going to school for school. I'm going to school to play baseball. <laughs> I get phone calls. I, it's draft day. Yeah. I race home, okay, to sit by the phone. This right. is before the internet was, oh, yeah. was what it is today. I'm sitting by the phone and the phone rings. And it's Coach Paul Keyes, who is the head coach for, for Virginia Commonwealth University. And so – he knows the situation. I know the situation. And he starts basically going down a list of rounds. And he's like, okay, if you go in the, you know, if you go in the fifth round, are you going to sign? Yes, sir. I'm going to sign. If you go in the 10th, are you going to sign? Yes, sir. If you go in the 12th, you know, and he starts going down a list. And I was like, listen, coach keys with all due respect, sir, like something pretty drastic would happen for me to give up the opportunity to pl- to you know to not play professional baseball i'm not going to school for school right and so and not i hate it you know you hate to do that because you had committed to go there if that's yeah. if that's the the route you need to take mm-hmm. but man i wanted to play professional baseball so of course you know two fo- phone calls later i get a i get a call from the red scout and i'm the seventh round draft pick I'm going, you know, I mean, there's no questions about it. Mm -hmm. So you make your uh, pro debut in Billings, Montana later on that summer. Uh, Culture shock, you you know, hadn't been away from home. What was that experience like your first uh, dipping that toe into professional baseball? So in three days time, my life flipped upside down, right? I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. I had never been on a commercial 
flight right. before. Yeah. I'd been in an airplane, like a little two-seater or four-seater, and threw up in that <laughs> um, years before that, like okay. as, a, as a kid. So I hadn't, hadn't been anywhere that we couldn't really drive. Right. And so um, the draft was like, let's say, June 2nd. I get drafted that whole week right there, the next week, my senior year, mm. leading up to graduation. It's, a, it's, a, wow. it's wild, right? Yeah. It's a whirlwind. Like, they have a press conference for you at the school. And, mm. like, you know, my life changed, right? Um, so I graduate on June 10th. You can't sign before you graduate. I sign my contract on the 11th. And I fly out to Billings, Montana on the morning of the 12th. Mm-hmm. Like, Man. boom. Yeah. 17 years old, flying out to Billings, Montana on my first big flight that I'd ever been on. I don't know who's picking me up at the airport. I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know any. I don't know anybody or anything, right. right? I mean, it is as close to blind as you can get, wow. you know? And, uh, and, and it all, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty shocking to yeah. go out there the first week, especially trying to figure out where you're going to live, what you're going to be doing. All I knew was that my job was to play baseball and I was going to eat, sleep and breathe baseball. Mm -hmm. Right. Which was great. That's what I wanted to do. I loved it. Um, To answer the question, my first start was nervous as crap. Yeah. And I, and that, and that, that year and back then, you know, um, the pioneer league was a college league. Yeah. I'm 17 years old facing guys that are 21, 22, 23 years old. I'm facing, uh, I remember Jay Gibbons was in that league and he was a college guy, hit however many home runs he hit. Um, who was the – I can't remember who won the Golden Spikes Award that year, but he was in that league. Yeah. Like, I'm facing, like, big-time guys, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just a puny little high school <laughs> white dude pitching, you know. I did okay. I held sure. my own. Yeah. But it was pretty – it was pretty scary, mm-hmm. you know? So, Josh, we talked about your debut in 98. I uh, went through some shoulder uh, surgery stuff in 99, came back in 2000. want to talk about your return to form, if you will, in 0102. Combined 51 starts, 22 and 11, coming off your shoulder surgery. At what point did you feel like, okay, that's behind me? Let's focus on now how I can help Cincinnati if I do get that call. So two years, okay? I'll say two years from when I had that shoulder surgery. You know, like a year and a half, I was feeling pretty good. And and we kind of talked about this earlier. When I came into spring training of 2001, Mm. um, my shoulder was still hurting. And I had 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 a pretty rough go up into that point. And so I go see... Dr. Krimchek there in spring training. I'm like, doc, my shoulder hurts. Like, what can we do about this? Mm-hmm. And it's the pinch. You, you get a pinch with that type of surgery and really it never goes away. I still have it today. And I'm like, is there anything we can do for it? And he ended up giving me a cortisone shot. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's medication, you know, you know, ibuprofen. And back then they used to give us dose packs and things <clears> to like kind of get you over, which was like a, I'm not a doctor, but like a steroid Mm -hmm. dosage to kind of get you over the hump. And so I had a couple of those as well. But that particular spring, I I got a cortisone shot. He's Mm -hmm. like, okay. And it wasn't to mask it. It was really just to help it kind of get over the hump. Well, it did. And so I didn't make a team out of spring training. I stayed again in in, uh, an extended. Mm -hmm. 
which is excruciating, it is. right? It's yes. so frustrating. Yep. But I was making my starts, and they're like, look, as soon as something opens up in, you know, wherever, if it's Dayton, Ohio, or I think at that, I can't remember, maybe we were still out in California at that time, mm-hmm. um, you'll go. If you're pitching well, you'll go. So I think it was May 4th, May 4th, I get called into the office, and they're like, hey, we made some moves. You're, yeah. go- you're going to Dayton. You're, start- you're starting tomorrow night. Which is, you know, sounds like, man, that's like pretty abrupt, but mm-hmm. it's my day to pitch. Yeah. And so I knew I was going to be pitching, just didn't know necessarily where, right? right? And it, nothing really changes. And so you go up there and you pitch. Mm-hmm. And man, I can't, I can't, I can never speak highly enough about Dayton, Ohio and the Dayton Dragons yeah. and the atmosphere that's there. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's like the big leagues. Right on a smaller scale, sure, right? I mean, yeah. man, the, the, what they did, the, the stadium, the fans, they packed like 8,000 a night. It made it easy to, to get fired up. Mm-hmm. I had been pitching in Gulf Coast League games with no, no fans, nobody, nobody right? Yeah. And now I'm pitching in front of 8,000. And it was like, man, I mean, it was the best. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had, I had a great season that year. Mm-hmm. That, and, and, you know, in that summer, by the by the time I'd say middle of the summer, I was feeling pretty good. My shoulder was close to back to normal. Wow. And so I wasn't having to I wasn't worrying about that. You know, yeah. you, you get over the mental humps as um hurdles, if you will, of is my shoulder gonna hold up? Am I strong you know, is my elbow gonna flare up again? You know, all these questions that you have, but I went in every day or every every start and did my job and pitched well that year. And so it, I'm not saying it made it easy, but it, it gave me some momentum going into the following year yeah. to go to go to high A, mm-hmm. pitch really well in high A in California and get called up a month later to go to double A. And then you realize so now you're like, OK, like I'm two steps away. I'm one step away yeah. from making it to the big leagues or going to the big leagues and had pretty good season that year. And. Ended up going get really you have to kind of get on the forty man roster that that's the next kind of yeah. big goal yeah. and they did they put me on the forty man and man what a what a huge blessing uh, joined by Josh Hall Lynchburg native pitch with Cincinnati in Major League Baseball you go from Double A to the big leagues you mentioned Ryan Dempster gets hurt we fast forward to August second two thousand three your big league debut against San Francisco. Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Your dream comes true. Uh, you and I have talked about this off record, but just for those listening, getting the call from your manager or whomever and just what you had to do to get there and making your big league debut, which we'll, we'll break down here in a minute, but just take us back where you were when you found out, Josh, Cincinnati needs you, and we're going to send you to Cincinnati. So what a blur, right? Yeah. Like you, you go back and you try to remember every, everything. And, and I do. I have a lot of memories from, from that day. Really prior to that, um, I was on the 40-man roster, yeah. which is kind of like you're in the door. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're, you're in the room, and if something happens, then, man, your number could be called. So there's always that which kind of gives you a little added, I'm not going to say pressure, but if I was pitching well and things weren't going well at the big league level, you're like, okay, well, there's a possibility. You never know, right? And so I was pitching well. 
like I was really pitching well at that time. And and it's not like I'm not like checking I'm not checking Cincinnati every day or anything like that. I'm I'm just I'm going about my business doing my job. Yeah. But I had been pitching really well and and kind of knew that there was a good a good chance that it could happen. Ryan Dempster ends up going down. I didn't necessarily know that, you know, until maybe somebody said it. You know, word travels fast. <laughs> so I'm we're in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, Florida. and um, and we're we're at lunch. I'm with my trainer and a couple of our other guys, and my trainer gets a phone call from our manager, who side note um, was was uh, gosh Phil Philip Wellman, okay. and Philip Wellman is pretty famous for his grenade toss uh, behind the mound, right? And that he ended up doing a couple years later. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole nother story. He was a, he was he was a great a great manager, mm-hmm. awesome guy, and uh, and a great baseball guy. He calls our our trainer. He's like, "Hey, do you have Josh Hall with you?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Tell him I need to see him in my in my hotel room when we get back or when you get back from lunch." So man, we knew we kind of knew right then and there. Okay, this this is this could be it, mm-hmm. right? And man, I get get go into his room and. He gives me the the news that they want to give their players. You know that is the wow. they have they have they have rough conversations with guys and yeah. they have great conversations with guys and that's one of the great conversations that they get to have and and man, I mean to really I guess to put it into words, it's something you've been waiting for and working for your whole life, right? And so you fast forward and I can I can go through the steps of getting there. But um, to fast forward to the actual game part of it, you know, like it kind of hit me. I've been working for this. My parents have been working for this. Every coach that I've had in my life, anybody that has any association with me knows this is a big deal. Like this is it. Like this is what I've been – not that I've been living for, (laughs) but I mean that's kind of what I've – Why you didn't go to college? I wanted to do this. Everything (laughs) I've done has has been for this. Yeah. And led to this point, and uh, man, what a what a great what a great feeling, what a great day, right? Um, and it was it was just it was awesome. It was a it was a life changing experience for sure. How was that bullpen leading into you taking the field in the first inning? It was the worst bullpen. <laughs> you shared that with me. I remember it was the <laughs> worst bullpen I can ever remember throwing. And I remember I remember standing there thinking. Don Gullett was the pitching coach. Yeah. And I'm throwing balls all over the place. I mean, not even not even close. And I remember thinking, he's gotta be thinking, like, what are we doing with this kid? Yeah. And I had gone to I had gone to Big League Camp that yeah. year. And so he he knew me. Right. And it wasn't I mean, they know. They know you're nervous. And uh but it was so bad that in Cincinnati which I don't know why they made the ballpark this way, it's like, you know, the bullpens always end up being an afterthought. Mm-hmm. The home bullpen is in like center field, and so you gotta you warm up in the outfield, like way out in the outfield. You know the the uh, the dugout. We're in the first base side dugout, so mm-hmm. typically you would have the first base side dugout, or yeah. you know, which is down the line. But the visitors have that. There's a lot of. Okay. It's really weird. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The point of the point of this is on that walk back <laughs> to yeah. the dugout. Yeah. I was like. I was really like, man, Josh, you're going to have to clean this up. Like, mm. you're going to have to pull it together, you know, and, and getting in the dugout, just, it's a game. It's a normal, it's a normal game. You want to treat it like any other 
game that you're getting ready to pitch. But it's your big league debut. You're in the big leagues, you know, you're, and you're trying not to think about that stuff and you're trying not to let that, that, uh, that anxiousness get to you. And um, I really, I did, I had to have like a serious self-talk. Like you're going to have to pull this together. Like right. you can't mess this up, you know? By the time I got on the mound, I had relaxed. Yeah. I kind of took it all in. 38,000 people there that day i had probably 50 plus people yeah, there yeah. to see me pitch family mm-hmm. friends Love it. Love um it. and yeah and once i threw that first strike yeah it was okay before we talk about the first inning um so we're talking 2003 reds sean casey aaron boone barry larkin at some point was still playing uh just for those wow were they, they're all on the active roster at this point? Casey was playing. Yeah. Um, so, yes and no. Okay. Okay, so I made my debut on August 2nd. The trade deadline was, what, Go July back. 31st. Yeah. Okay. Bob Boone got fired. Half the big league staff got fired. Um, Aaron Boone got traded sure. to the Yankees. Yeah. Okay. Which what he splash ended, he had sending them to the World right, Series. I mean. Yeah, so that ended up being pretty a pretty big move for him, right. you know, in his life. Um, they made a couple other moves. So, like, there was a they fired Jim Bowden. Jim Bowden was the GM for the Reds, and he's a pretty extravagant guy, you know, pretty loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got rid of him. Wow. And so, and and the other thing was, I think I can't remember when they got rid of Mard Shot. But there was new ownership. Mm. Like, there was a lot of transition going on, okay? And I'm not saying I got caught up in the middle of it. Yeah. But it wasn't like Jim Bowden called me and said, hey, you're going to the big leagues. It was an interim GM. Yeah. You know, that made, there was, they, they, it was actually two or three guys that were making decisions trying to piece it together. Wow. And so um, there was a lot, a lot of stuff going on at that time. I think, I think Larkin was hurt. Okay. Griffey was hurt. Casey was playing, yeah. but you know, um, I remember later on, like when I came back up in September, and it was there was a lot of AAA guys on that on that roster, yeah. you know. And we were kind of a a really uh, <laughs> a hollow shell of what we could have been, yeah. You know, really. Okay. So that first inning, uh, Josh, uh, nine pitches. You, you get to the big leagues, you get Nafi Perez out on ground out. You strike out Rich Aurelia for your first major league strikeout, and then you induce Pedro Feliz into a three-one putout. So you get to go cover first base. Nine pitches in your first inning of a your big league debut. You're walking off the mound thinking, "Hey, what took me so long? This is not bad." <laughs> uh, no, but that first inning, well, top of the second uh, cliffhanger. You face Barry Bonds, and we'll get to that in a minute, but. You mentioned how bad your bullpen was, and you get out for the first nine pitches, and you're back before the Coke or Pepsi is even melted or the ice is melted in those drinks by the fans. So that was a quick inning, but what a debut it was for you in that first inning. Like I said, it's just another start. Yeah. Right? Like that's your, your, uh, your, your mental, your thought process, my thought process. Hey, it's just another start. I have to go out and do my job. Mm-hmm. So your preparation, everything prior to that that day, everything par- prior to the actual game starting, is relatively the same. You know, I mean, it's your your 
your habits, your whatever. It's all the same. You just happen to be pitching at the big league level in your first in your first game, facing pretty good hitters that you right. probably have never faced before. Yeah. Um, so it could go either way, you know. Like that, I just I'm not saying I didn't have any expectations. I wanted to do the best that I could. Um, so getting out of it in nine pitches, hmm. that okay, man. Whew, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Lord. You know, like I got out of there, got it out, you know, under my belt, and go back out and get ready for the the next hitter. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how you go about it. Yeah. It really does. And I, and I say this to our kids, uh, the kids that I coach, sure. it doesn't matter who you're facing, right? Yeah. Okay. If it's the Yankees, it might, it might make you shake in your pants a little bit um, <laughs> compared to the, the bad news bears, but you still have to go out and perform yeah. and you still have to go out and do your job and execute. And, and so that's all I'm thinking at that time, man, just go out and make pitches, go out and make pitches Get your blinders on. Mm-hmm. Don't think about all the other stuff that's going on around here. Just go out and do your job. And now, Josh, I, I mean, it, it, we're friends, and it's an honor to talk baseball with you. But to know you faced some of the greats that'll ever play the game. Barry Bonds, you face top of the second. You're down 2-0. What do you recall about the scouting report of facing Barry and, and the whirlwind it was to get to Cincinnati, but the scouting report of Barry, he doesn't have many holes. What was the attack mode on 2-0 when you did give up a home run to him, but still facing him? What was the, uh, the scouting report going against him? So our game plan was to work, basically to go in. Yeah. Like if, if he had any issues, it was inner half mm-hmm. of the plate or inner third. He didn't have many issues. He didn't have many holes. You didn't want to leave the ball out over the plate. Um, so if you were going to be successful, it was going to be into him. Right. And so that was our game plan. And I, and I went, I went in the first two pitches, I actually moved his feet. I can't remember which pitch it was now, but kind of moved his feet a little bit. Maybe, brushing maybe, even, yeah, maybe brushing back a little bit, but you know, the two, the two, the two goals that I had was obviously I don't want to give up a home run to him and I don't want to walk him because that's what, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Guys, they, that's, those are the two things that happen the most. And you know he's pretty good, right? He was, he's probably the best hitter of our generation, if not ever, yeah. to be honest with you, based on what I know and seeing what I've seen. And so you get behind, he's the leadoff guy. I tried to throw in, a, you know, try to throw a strike in, left it out over the plate, and he did what he did best. And, uh, and that, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I wasn't real happy about it at the time, but I mean, great day. He hit a bunch of them, yeah. and I could have given it up to somebody a lot worse than him, and, yeah. uh, and so it's okay. I mean, uh, it, it it really started a kind of a, a domino effect in that inning. You know, the mental the mental side of it, mm. kind of like, oh man, here we go. You know, like this is going to be tough. I end up giving up another hit, another run, um, but got out of that inning, giving up two runs, settled down and pitched well the rest of the rest of my my outing Mm -hmm. um face him again had a you know walked him like an idiot (laughs) you know but that's 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 competition you know and and i did what i could that day i'd love you know would have been great to face him again but um it just it wasn't in the cards so and so josh you give up this home run to barry bonds and Sometimes you get the ball back. Sometimes you don't. What do you recall? What happened with the Bonds home run that he hit off you in your big league debut? Well, like I said, I mean, 
it's it's Barry Bonds. Right. And I've got a job to do, and I'm not – I don't want to give up a home run, and I don't want to walk him. I want to compete. I want to get him out, just like any other hitter. Yeah. He just happens to be pretty good, you know, right? Like, yeah. he's one of the best that's ever done it. Right. And so I give up a home run. I'm upset about it, but it happens. i got to move on and keep pitching. So the story behind it is, okay, when I was in Billings, Montana, my, my manager there was a guy by the name of Russ Nixon, okay? Russ yeah. Nixon managed in the big leagues. Sure. He was actually the Braves manager before Bobby Cox took over, yeah. okay? He, he played in the big leagues for a number of years. He was actually catching when Roger Maris hit his 61st home run, Sweet. okay? Yeah. So, like, this guy is, has been around. Oh, yeah. He's my manager in Billings, okay. okay? Dude, I'm 17 years old. I'm a kid, right? And this guy is riding – he's riding a bus – in the Pioneer League around Montana and Canada and Idaho and, man, wherever wherever we went, <laughs> he's doing – he's pulling time in the minor leagues, and he is a big leaguer over and over and over again, okay? So he's spending time – like, he's spending his – talking about giving back, right? Yeah. Like, that is – it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome to have him there. The reason I tell you that is he had a twin brother, okay? And I can't remember Russ's brother's name, but it doesn't matter. His brother was the head of security at Great, Great American Ballpark <laughs> oh in Cincinnati. Okay. So when I pull in that morning, on that Saturday morning on August 2nd, mm. I pull in, <clears throat> Corey drops me off down in the, under the tunnel next to where the, all the security guys were, right. and here's Russ Nixon sitting at the table, I think, okay, because right. it's his twin. Okay. And I'm like, Russ, what are you doing here? Like, I'm, like, shocked. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And all his, all the security guys that were there, like, they start laughing. They're like, man, this isn't Russ. This is his twin brother. I'm like, no way. No way. This is Russ Nixon, <laughs> right? It's his twin brother. Yeah. Okay? So I go, and I pitch that day. Yeah. And, uh, but he's, he's like, one of the head guys of security mm-hmm. there at Great American Ballpark. So I pitch. Game's over. Whatever. Next day, I come come to the ball, ballpark early to get my work in. I'm right. running, whatever, yeah. working out. Before I go, I think maybe I, I had either – it was before I started running or after I came back. It doesn't matter. I was in front of the dugout, and here comes, here comes Russ's brother. Right. And he's holding a baseball. I'm like, I can't remember his name, but, you know, Mr. Nixon, okay? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, Mr. Nixon. He's like, hey, man, good job yesterday. He's like, that was great. You know, like, I'm really proud of you, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we talked for a few minutes, and he's like, hey. He's like, this is the ball that, that Barry hit off of you yesterday. I was wow. like, are you kidding? Wow. He's like, no. Nah. He's like, one of our guys was down in the bullpen, which is, I told you, the visitor's right, bullpen is right. down the right field line, right? Like, yeah. right field pole, over. Yeah. And uh, he's like, one of our guys was down there, and Barry hit that ball off of you, and he got it. And he wanted, he gave it to me. You know, he wanted me to give it to you. Like, cause I guess in the whole story of me coming to the ballpark that day, right. like they knew, they knew. Huh. And so he's like, yeah, he's like, here it is. And I was like, man, that is awesome. Like, what are the odds of getting, getting yeah. that ball back? And so, uh, and it was num- so it was number 647 of, yeah. of, on his list of 752 or whatever yeah. he ended up hitting. And I think, I don't know, in that video that you probably watched, yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. I was the 381st pitcher to right. give up a home run to him. It was his first uh, home run in Great American Ballpark. Okay. 
So it's cool all the way around, right? So so now I've got the ball, and I'm like, man, like, what are the odds of me being able to get him to sign that baseball? Right. Okay. So this is Sunday night baseball. Yeah. Or Sunday baseball. You know, Sunday game, right. Sunday night baseball, and it's like Sunday night baseball on ESPN with Joe Morgan and John Miller. And like, it's like a big deal that day. And so I'm like getting all my work in and doing everything I have to do. Well, meanwhile, like every chance I get, I'm asking like the Scott Sullivan's and the Kent Merkers and anybody else that's been around for a long time. I'm like, Hey, what are you, what are the odds of me getting him to sign this? Kent Merker, Scott Sullivan tells me, he's like, man, I wouldn't get that guy. I wouldn't let that guy pet my dog. I would not. Like, and he, and he told me a story about, right. you know, some horror story or something. And I was like, great, man. <laughs> like, there's no chance of me doing this. And, and I, so I kind of worked up enough. Like, I thought I'd kind of worked up enough muster, you know, yeah. to, to go. And so, I, so I'm talking to Kent Merker in the training room. And I'm like, hey, I was like, Merck, what do, you, what do you think? Like, if I do this, how do I go about doing this? Mm-hmm. I was like, do I say Barry? Do I say Mr. Bond? Like, what do I do? He's like, man, I'd for sure go with Mr. Bonds. <laughs> And he was like, because uh, he's like the horror stories of wow. like, there's just no telling. There's yeah. no telling what kind of mood he's going to be in. Like, right. w- like it was bad, right? Like, I mean, it was yeah. bad. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. This is the only time I'm going to be able to do this. So they're taking BP on the field. We had already taken BP. Yeah. San Francisco's out on the field. I'm wearing, I'm wearing like a t-shirt and shorts, right. skinny little white dude, you yeah. know? And I go into the dug. I come out of the tunnel into the dugout, and one of our uh, interim GMs, who is a one of our head scouts, yeah. Johnny Almarez, was there, and he was like, "I said, he said, hey Josh, man, nice job. Yes, you know, he like congratulates me on on being there and all that yeah. stuff." And uh, he's like, "What's going on?" He's, and I he sees the ball. I'm like, "Man, this is the ball that Barry hit off of me yesterday. I'm gonna see if I can get him to sign it." Well, like we look over, and and Barry Larkin is talking with Barry Bonds, Marquise Grissom, and Jeffrey Hammonds, right? And I'm like, he said, and, and so Johnny makes a comment. He was like, he's like, Barry, he said, Larkin's over there. That might be your only way in. And I was like, awesome. you're right. This is awesome. So I get to the top step. I mean, I, I, this is like ingrained, embedded oh, in my I'm mind. Sure you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I walk up to the top step and I'm kind of like scoping the place out. Like I said, Sunday Night Baseball, there's John Miller, there's Joe Morgan, there's yeah. a ton of media. Like, it's like a big deal that day. I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? And they're, they're standing over in a like little rock pile yeah. off of third base, you know, in just in foul territory. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? So, Another media guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, Josh, nice job yesterday." Blah blah blah. <laughs> this guy's name is Jeff Wal- uh, Walner. Okay, right. the reason I remember this because he's a pretty crucial part of the story. Got it. So, I, hey, thanks, Jeff. I'm gonna go see if he'll if he'll sign this ball. I walk over there. I kind of like walk around, and I kind of like inch my way in. And they're standing there talking again, man. Dude, Barry Barry was big. Yeah. Okay, right. The, these guys are like giants in my mind. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I've watched all these guys grow up yep. playing while I was growing mm-hmm. up. And so Barry's standing there, Barry Larkin is standing there talking to him. And I have a good relation. Barry Larkin is a class act. I'm talking like they yeah. don't come any better than this guy. Yeah. And, uh, and he kind of sees me standing there and he's like, what's going on, Josh? <laughs> 
I'm like, man, and Barry is right. So it's Barry, it's Barry Bonds, Barry Larkin, Marquise Grissom, and Jeffrey Hammond. So they stop talking. They stop talking. Barry Larkin is like, he's like, hey, Josh, what's on your mind? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are you doing here, kid? And uh, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry to interrupt. Right. You know. Um. And I'm I'm holding the ball, and I'm like, I'm and I turn, I'm like, Mr. Bonds. And dude, he doubles over laughing. They all start laughing. And I'm like, like, man, call me Barry. He, well, so that's what he, he, he stops laughing. He's like, he's like, man, my name is Barry. He was like, he's like, or he said, what did he say? He was like, Mr. Bonds is my dad. Right. You call me Barry. And I was like, man, I'm that's sorry. Cool. I'm sorry, Barry. I was like, I just, I said, you, I pitched yesterday. Obviously, you hit this ball off of me, put it yeah. in the bullpen. I somehow got the ball back. And I would just be honored for you to sign it for me. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I don't mind signing it, but what do you want me to use, my finger? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I had worked myself up. I was, I was more nervous to get that autograph yeah. than I was to pitch, pitch to the guy, right? Yeah. I didn't even have a pen, man. I didn't even have a pen. You have one job to do in an autograph oh, situation. Gosh. And I didn't have a pen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I looked down to my left. And there's a bunch of fans, and they're like, "We got a pin," you know. They're like, but they're like, right. they're like twenty yards away. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh! I turn over my right shoulder. Jeff Walner, yeah. that media guy, the yeah. writer, had walked over, and he was like, "Here you go, Josh." He heard the conversation. He knew what was going on. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because you mentioned him earlier. Yeah. yeah so I got he, he knew he knew what was going on, yeah. and uh, and he hands me the pen. Sweet. I'm like, man, thank you so much, and yeah. I hand it to him. He signs it. He signs it correctly on the sweet spot. There you go. There's a side story to that. In that mix of conversations that I'd had throughout the afternoon of right. like he had signed like across the sweet spot, like a like like kind of in a not so nice fashion. Yeah. And so he signed it like he's supposed to, man, and gave it back. I'm like, man, thank you so much. I'm like, sorry to interrupt you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And and got it, you know. And uh the the funny or, you know. The cool part about it, obviously, Larkin was my end there. Sure. And and I think and there's no telling how it would have gone had he not been there. We go to Cincinnati back first week of August, just yep. this year. Okay, a couple yeah, couple yeah, yeah. weeks ago, months, yep. you know, two months ago. And present day twenty twenty three for folks Correct. listening to the podcast right now. Present day. Yeah. All like I can't remember what who they they were playing the Nationals and we go to Cincinnati for a weekend and <clears throat> I happened to just, I don't even know how it happened. It was a great day. I got to see a bunch of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Oh, and cool. one of those guys was Jeff Walner. I ran into Jeff wow. Walner. Dude, I'm telling you, I could keep, wow. I could keep going. Okay. Um, but I run into Jeff Walner, and he was like, and he said something about that story. Like, yeah. he was like, hey, he was like, I remember that day when you, were, when you, got, that, you got that autograph. He was like, Barry, Barry Larkin. Really, I, I think I th- he said what yeah. happened was when I turned around to get to get the pen, Barry's like, "Hey, man, just this is a good like this is a good kid. Just right. go ahead and sign yeah. it." Like, kind of gave him the okay, right. like, "Don't screw with this kid." That's good. And uh, and I never really like thought about that or put that together, yeah. you know. But he kind of confirmed it, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, man, it was just it was great. And I saw Barry Larkin that day. He's really? doing you know he's doing games. Yeah. And saw him, got to got to see him briefly. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool, man. I mean, like I said, I could go on and on, but yeah. that day, the whole Barry Bond situation, <laughs> what a what a great uh, opportunity, you know? Yeah. 
really cool. So you go down, you get called back up in September. And back in the day, um, they would expand the rosters, and a lot of the guys that were double A, triple A might get the opportunity to to compete in September. Um, you make your next appearance the original Bush Stadium at yeah, St. Louis, yeah. uh, September 6th. Then you pitch against Pittsburgh at home on the 9th. You face Carlos Zambrano at Wrigley Field on September 14th, 2003. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, your best outing as a big leaguer, uh, seven innings, scattered seven hits, no earned runs, struck out eight. Uh, pitching at Wrigley Field. Um, you can talk about all the big leaguers that you have faced in your career, you know, future Hall of Famers, et cetera. Pitching at Wrigley Field, though, how cool is that? Dude, it was the best, man. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't even explain it, right? Like, I can't I, – I can, I can give you as much information about it, but until you do it yourself, mm. like, you can't appreciate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Wrigley Field. Like I said a few minutes ago, we, I've been watching the Cubs my whole life on WGN. I've seen this field – a lot, yeah. right? You got the ivy, you've got yeah. you got the wind, yeah. you got the the fans, you got the the guys up on the roofs. You know, I mean, it's I know this place, and oh. and so just going into it, you know that there's that side of it from you know just your childhood, okay. Not not to mention this is the 2003 team that was five outs away from the World Series, right. and so they were pretty good. And they had guys like Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor and Carlos Zambrano mm. and Sammy Sosa and, you know, a few names to list there. And so and – I, and I had kind of scuffled a little bit, you know, um, in, the, in my big league experience there. And so I really I – I had to get locked in. And if there was ever a day that I was locked in, it was that day. Yeah. I mean, there was, what, 40,000 people there that day? And, again, unless you've been there and you've experienced, you know – I don't know if you remember, but Sammy, Sammy Sosa would run out on the field and do like this whole like little right. kind of loop thing. Yeah. Dude, man, that was like people went nuts on, on that stuff. They loved it. And the place er- would erupt. <laughs> and you couldn't even like we'd be sitting here next to each other Could and you be. couldn't even hear each other. Right. You know, it was that loud. And so just there's that side of it, you know. And, and so to have again, it kind of comes back. Hey, I've got a job to do today it doesn't matter who i'm facing it doesn't matter what's going on around me and somehow in my bullpen it was the best bullpen that i threw in the big leagues at least and i was i was dialed in and it came out and and i do i have to you know and i've I've said this to people before i have to give credit i'm not gonna say all the credit goes to my catcher but a lot of it does Mm -hmm. corky miller caught me that day Mm -hmm. corky miller uh caught me in Billings, Montana. Wow. He was he was one of our catchers in Billings. Sweet. I think he's five or six years older than me. You right. know, so back then he was like twenty three years old catching a seventeen year old kid. Mm-hmm. And so he had always kind of been an older brother mm-hmm. kind of figure to me. Yeah, yeah. And in the first inning, and I, I can't remember the exact scenario of what happened, but I did something and he didn't like it. Like you throw a pitch, it doesn't it doesn't do what you want it to do. You're frustrated, and I I walked down off the mound and I snapped like when he threw the ball back I kind of snapped the ball in you know with my glove and kind of yeah. like gave showed some emotion right. right and he calls time and he comes out and he said hey don't you ever do that again this is like your Crash Davis Bull Durham moment he did that <laughs> I mean in some ways you know but you know um, but anyway carry on sorry but, but so just to say he kind of set the tone yeah. there. 
like however much I thought I was locked in, right. he was like, no, man. He's like, don't ever do that again. You don't show these guys. You meant to throw that pitch. I don't care if it goes to the back, backstop. You meant to throw it. Yeah. And that was a man. It was a great life lesson for me mm-hmm. as far as being able to teach the kids that I work with today, my son included. Right. Hey, you meant to throw that pitch. Please. Throw every pitch with conviction like that's what you meant to happen. Right. That hitter doesn't need to know that it was a mistake. Right. You know what I mean? And so, man, the rest of that day – it was me and him. And I mean, he'd say, you know, curveball in the dirt. And he would show me his glove and exactly where he wanted it. Yeah. And I was, there it was, man. And it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I watch, I'll, I'll watch the video every so often. I'll, I'll, Joshua and I watched that game a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you still have it? Oh, yeah. Cool. I got the VHS. Nice. Man. We need to digitize that it, at some it, point. No, so. it is. It's, 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 it's on a CD but, um, or the DVD. Um, oh, cool. And so we were watching it. Man, my change up that day, my two-seamer, like, balls are run. I mean, yeah. I, get, I got more movement that day than I had ever. But I was, I was relaxed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't tense. And, I mean, it was, it's awesome. It's fun to watch, you know? Speaking of being locked in, a couple starts later, you did give a home run to Sammy Sosa. But the pitch wasn't that bad. I mean, it was. I saw it for the first time as we taped this today. I watched it. I'm like, sometimes you tip the cap. It was over the plate, but it was. It had some run to it, different than the Barry Bonds pitch. So sometimes you tip your cap, don't you? Or I mean, did you think that pitch was that? I didn't think it was that bad to Sammy. So if you watch the if you watch the the uh, the Wrigley Field game, yeah, um, I threw him a slider in his first at bat. And it wasn't. It was the same thing, like same kind of like down. It yeah. was down in the zone, yeah. kind of going away, away from him. And I, I guess he just sees it. I guess he just sees it well <laughs> right. because he about he hit it. Almost took my head off. Okay. I throw him another one in that next game yeah. in Cincinnati. Same kind of thing. It's it's going down and away. Mm-hmm. And man, he's right on it and about kills somebody in the front row and down, you know, in left field right. for a home run. What can I do? Dude, they're big league hitters, man. That's yeah. what they do. They're, they're there for a reason. Tip your, <laughs> tip your cap. I want to go back and start before that, uh, wrapping th- things up here with Josh Hall, Lynchburg native, uh, pitched with the Cincinnati Reds and went to East Glass High School. September 19th, you're playing at Philadelphia. The vet, old vet, before Citizens Bank Ballpark, and you get a major league hit. I think you, the at-bats you had were few and far between in 03. But you got a big league hit. And as I looked up today in the box score, it said line drive. Take us through the at-bat with Randy Wolf. And I've talked to you before about mementos that you have in your closet. Hopefully that's one that they bounced into the dugout for you. But to take us through that at-bat, your first major league base hit. So to go back, okay, okay. you grew up the same way I grew up. Like we, like you said, man, imitating yeah. hitters in your backyard, playing wiffle ball, whatever, little league. Everybody, you know, they construct these situations where it's the bottom of the ninth, and you're, you know what I mean, like. Oh yeah. And so we grew up watching these players, and in in my major league debut, uh, uh, Benito Santiago was catching for the nice. for the Giants, dude. My brother loved that guy. I mean, and I'm and and so like the reason I'm saying this is. I was I was there to pitch, right? right? But you have to hit. Yeah. I was, you know, it's it's like it's I got more like kid like mm. as a hitter than I did as a pitcher. I was there to do my job as a pitcher. Right. But you step into the the box and it kind of hits you. Man, I've been wanting to do this my whole life, you know, like <laughs> been imitating big league hitters wow. and now I'm a big league wow. hitter, right? So like 
just that side of it. And I'm walking around Benito Santiago thinking, man, my brother would love, like, he loved this guy. And so, like, watching these guys grow up. So then I go, you know, I was one for six, okay? I had a couple strikeouts, a couple (laughs) bonnet, you know, I think I had some sacrifices, which is really our job. Um, So Wolf was a lefty. What side of the plate did you hit from? Right, right side. Okay, there you go. Right-handed hitter. Okay. And facing Randy Wolf and – you know, he's not going to blow your doors off. He no. wasn't – he could almost be considered a cutty thumb and left-hander. Yes. That's what my high school coach would say. Okay. Um, but, you know, these guys are good, obviously. And so I think – call I'm, them crafty left-handers. Crafty yes, left. that's, that's the politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I let off the inning. I think, I, I think that, was the, that was the key was yep. to me having – being able to hit mm-hmm. in my at-bat. Because if there's any runners on, Do you're bunny. You're bunny yeah. You know, I mean, they don't want you to hit. And so I think I let off, and I might have taken a pitch. I'd have to watch it again. But, I mean, he, he threw one right down the middle and, and just gave, you know, here you go. Here you go, wow. kid. And I hit a – it was a line drive. It wasn't, like, crushed. But, it's I mean, still. it was a line drive over the shortstop's head, yeah. kind of into left field. Yeah. One hopper to Pat Burrell, who was playing left that day. Mm. And, uh, yeah, for my first single. And I was using Kelly Stinnett's bat. That was my next question because you didn't have your bat. Whose bat were you using? using? Yeah, I mean, dude, you go into the bat. You go into the bat rack. Yeah. There's a room, okay, with bat just bats everywhere, right. and and it's all the players and all their bats. Yeah. I mean, I had a Barry Larkin bat. I had a, a Kelly Stinnett bat. Like I had a, a mix of. Who, whoever would give me one, you know what I mean? Right. I might have had my own bat, but, you know. So you had to ask him, like, hey, I'm going to bat today. Can I use one? Or is it just go get one, kid? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's courteous to ask, okay. right? Okay. I mean, you're going to be like, hey, everybody uses a different model. Yeah. And uh, So why his bat versus Barry Larkin or Sean Casey it, or whoever? It might have been in, like, the extras bat rack, okay. right? Like, where he didn't really care. But you still, hey, Kelly, can, you mind if I use your bat, you know? I saw this bat. I found. He's like, "Yeah, man, go ahead." They don't yeah. care. Yeah, they really don't care. It's just about the respect and the courteous part of it, uh, or courtesy part of it. So, uh, I used the Kelly Stinnett bat. Man, it felt good in my hands. It was a perfect size for me, and I still got it. I've got it in my basement today. It's, Same one you got the hit with. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's in my basement, and I got the ball back. Sure. Um, yeah. So the the coolest part. Okay. The coolest part about that whole situation was, and eh, not the coolest part. I mean, obviously getting the hit yeah. is pretty awesome. But you know who was playing first base for the for the Phillies back then? Uh, well, you gave up a triple to Jim Tomey at one point. Was it Jim Tomey? Yeah, okay. that day, actually. <laughs> so Jim Tomey is playing his first baseman. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, yeah. right? And he's a class act, yeah, right? Absolutely. And so uh, a, another little short story, their, their spring training is in Clearwater, Florida. Okay, I like to hunt. A friend of mine, one of my best friends, lives in Sarasota. We hunt together a lot. He comes up here, I go down there. A good friend of his is a guide in Sarasota, and we just happened to see that guide while I was down in spring training. And that guide told us the day that we were there, "Hey, yeah, Jim Tomey's coming down to do a pig hunt with with me, you know, this Sunday or mm-hmm. whatever." Just a little side story, right? Yeah. I get on first base. I'm like, "Hey, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? You know, he's like, "Hey, man, congratulations wow. on your first hit or whatever." Yeah. I'm like, "Thanks." I'm like, "Hey, do you know a guy named Matt Knox down in uh Sarasota. in Sarasota, Florida?" Yeah. I said, "Did you ever do that pig hunt?" He's like, "Oh man, no, it didn't happen. You know, something came up and I didn't end up going down. But I, you know, I've, I've been with him. You know, we started talking about That's it. Cool. Meanwhile, my first base coach is like, "Hey, 
hey, yeah. pay attention, you know, like, yeah. pay, like, quit talking, pay attention to the uh-huh. game. <laughs> just kind of a little funny side note. You and know? Jim like, Tomey, I've never met him, but just watching all his interviews, the nicest class, guy. Class, class act, guy. man. Yeah. It was great. So wrapping things up here, Josh Hall, I've said that twice, but we it's can okay. keep talking here. Um, so you end that year, you end your career, you, you had some you know, injuries after that as well, but you still played a little bit um, with Washington, Colorado, Seattle, minor league ball. Um, and then 2010, you decide to, to hang it up. Um, at what point did you just realize, okay, I've done what I could, Hanging up the spikes is so hard. I know when I did it in college, I mean, I cried my last day I ever played a college game because uh, I knew that was it. Um, turning the page in your pro career, take us through that moment and uh, how you came to peace with that. Or maybe you haven't already. I don't know, Josh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you ever really come to yeah. peace with it, right? right. Um, I had two kids at the time. Mm-hmm. That was my – I completed my 13th season yeah. of professional baseball. My arm was tired. My body was tired. I wasn't. I was in. I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in the Atlantic League. So I wasn't with an affiliated right. organization, you know. Um, and so I'm not saying that it made the made the decision easy, because as long as you have a uniform on your back and a job, there's a chance. Like there's, yep. you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what's going to happen. And so I always had that outlook. Um, as long as I could, as long as I could perform, anything could happen. Um, and I was a competitor, just like I mean most guys are, right? Yeah. And so um, I, I didn't. It wasn't really a question though at that time in my life about what needed to happen with my family. You know, um, two small kids. We're living out of suitcases. We're living in an apartment in Lancaster. Like I said, I was not making a lot of money. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say that my best days were behind me, but, man, it was a really steep hill to climb if it was going to continue. And uh, it just it wasn't really much of a question about what needed to happen, mm-hmm. um, un- you know, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, I wasn't ready to close the book. At least you're never ready. You, you never want to. But I knew that I had responsibilities, and yeah. and I couldn't. We couldn't keep doing what we were doing, and mm-hmm. I gave it a good run. Yeah. I I I, uh, I was blessed to be able to do it as long as I was able to do it, given my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is all the injuries that I had, right. you know. And I probably told you before. I mean, there's guys. I played with guys that were way better than me. Okay, that were that had better stuff than than I had that through harder or whatever. You know, like you name you name it. Were they going to outwork me? They weren't going to outwork me, right? And so I just, you know, I was blessed to be able to do it as long as I did and as long as I as long as I had a job, then I always felt like there was a chance. There was a chance and and uh I don't know. I mean, I played a lot longer than most guys did. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So yep. it wasn't all at the big league level, which would have been great. Right. Um but man, what a what a career and what a what a great opportunity and the experiences. I mean, I I could talk about it for days, right? Not yeah. that I, I'm not I'm not one to try to talk about myself, but man, just talking baseball and talking about the the players that I played with, against the games that I got to watch, all the baseball that I got to watch. Um, you know, I saw some pretty incredible things, yeah. met some pretty incredible people. Yeah. What do I? You know, what can I complain about? And now fast forward to present day, Josh, you're uh, doing great in the community, working with Anything Doors, 
and giving back to the future players of baseball, uh, coaching some with Randy Tomlin at LCA, former big leaguer himself, and uh, just pouring into those that love baseball. And you're doing it with your son, Joshua, and uh, your daughters, Presley and Nellie, doing their thing at, uh, with the extracurricular stuff that they do. Uh, you seem pretty happy with what you're doing now here in Lynchburg, giving back to those that uh, are uh, thirsty for knowledge, just like you were when you were a little kid here. Yeah, I mean, guys have got a plan, yep. right? And we don't know what that is. And, I mean, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's still sometimes even a daily, a daily battle of, of where I should be and what I should be doing, mm-hmm. given my experience. But um, I wouldn't necessarily – I know that they, my kids, wouldn't give any of it back, right, as far as just the time that we've spent together. And I played on the road, man. I know how that, I know how that is. And I was fortunate that both of my parents were at home. My dad, my dad spent a lot of time with me mm-hmm. to play, you know, playing baseball, sports in general, whatever, time, right? It's yeah. all about the time. That's the one thing that we can't that we can't get back. And so when it came down to the end of it, um, and trying to decide what I was gonna do next, baseball was my life. Like that's what I know, that's what I did. I didn't there was nothing else, right? Um, do I just drop it? Do I get just drop it and go on to whatever it is, man? That's a tough question. That's a tough answer, you know. And, and I didn't know, and so, but I can only really think of less. I mean, literally, Alan, less than a handful of people, coaches that had the type of life that I could agree with. You know what I mean? Like with families and kids and wives, and it's like, man, that's not gonna work. Like it, it, I went round and round, like that whole last season. You know, it was like I just kind of kept battling within myself of how is this going to work? Because I know I can do this from a coaching standpoint, yep. um, but how is it going to work? And just it just never it never added up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying I bit the bullet, but I came home and I was willing to do whatever I needed to do. And so I ended up getting into the insurance business, which I did not love. Right. And I say now that I spent you know, I pulled my 10 years of time in that. Um, but it afforded me the, the flexibility to do everything else that I wanted yeah, to do, yeah. which is mainly to be here with my kids mm. and coach and give lessons and whatever, whatever it is that I can do. Um, that was really just kind of my idea with it. You know, the Lord's got me here for a reason. And if, if that needs to change, then he'll let us know, you know, but yeah. right now our, our kids are, are in a good spot. Our girls are cheering. They're doing the tumbling stuff, and yeah. and and they love it. And Joshua's playing baseball, and I'm able to see that and coach him. Mm-hmm. And and another thing with that man, I would think you know these coaches are here and they're working with all these guys. Meanwhile, their kids are at home, and somebody else is coaching them. Somebody else is doing whatever with them. I sure. never, I could never really find a way to agree with that. No. Did I did I give up professional baseball? Yeah, yeah. you know, but. I wouldn't trade it for my kids, you know? So that's where I am now working at anything doors and that's, that's okay. You know I mean? I'm, I'm here. And so it's, it's a good, it's a good situation, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast. Have an idea for future shows? Email our team at hillcitypod at gmail.com. And join us each week for another episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast.